Welcome to the GBC Big 3 podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. Today, I'm your host, Jess Baker, and joining me as my co-host is the the top dog himself, Mark Rader. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Jess. (laughs) How are you going? What's new? Tell me all of the things. What's new? Well, I I mean, the, the, the big thing in my life is that the NHL playoffs started the other day so and the nhl is the hockey yes 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 the national hockey league confirming for all the listeners at home who have no idea what you're talking about oh surely um (laughs) and how is it going well uh it's uh you know only four games have been played the uh the home team has lost all four my team doesn't start until friday which are the maple the maple leafs yes i am incredible you're doing great you're doing great so yeah no i'm just looking forward to that Uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully we'll get out of the first round this year so that's 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 the that's the big news so that's very exciting what about yourself i noticed that the reference to the top dog um, <laughs> was what you went with. So I don't know if that was you know, intentional or not, mm, but mm. I, I hear that there's a another top dog in your life. There is a top dog in my life um, and I'm loving it so much. <laughs> <laughs> the, I picked up uh, Little Huxley last week for listeners following along at home and uh, it's just been such a glorious time <laughs> of just so much sleep and uh, just, you know, just all good things. A little bit of anxiety in the Just a little in, bit of anxiety. Yeah, uh, yeah, just in Huxley and myself, um, <laughs> which is fine. We're just playing off each other. Um, I'm learning lots of skills for parenting, I think, lots of patience, how not to yell at your child for weeing on the rug, um, <laughs> just lots of good skills, yeah. Very good, very good. <laughs> Loving so it. Hopefully you'll kind of get through today. Uh, I'm, a, I'm kind of a breaking point, so uh, <laughs> if you could carry this, that would be great. Um, <laughs> If but this- I'm here. I'm here. Huxley's being babysat in the other room by cat. I'm just loving this. It's good. It's a good time. Um, but- Did anyone else see this coming or like? <laughs> I certainly didn't. Look, it's harder than I thought. And I've had a dog before, so I should have known exactly what it was like. But here we are, guys, for those. I'm just going to keep you updated week to week on whether, you know, I've I've been crying in a corner or whether it's a good day for me. Today's not a great day, but. All right. Well, it's a good thing that this is just voice rather than video. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm, I'm not looking my best. Thanks for pointing that out, Mark. All righty. Well, let's move on. In a moment, <laughs> we're going to be joined by Matt Willis, who preached at our evening service this past Sunday. Mark and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. For those of you who missed it, like myself, who was at home babysitting a dog, Matt continued in our series following Jesus in the Gospel of John. You can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But for now, Mark, I'm interested in what your take-home message was from Matt's sermon. Well, I mean, like, I thought he did a great job um, and uh, my... Uh my barometer is my daughters. So I asked them how they think things go and they were very optimistic and positive as well. So I'm like, well, then he must've done, must've done well, even, um, even apart from my own (laughs) evaluation. I I mean, I thought the, the central kind of, um, a focus, and this is part of some of the questions that we're going to be dealing with was wrapped around, um, that our following Jesus starts where we are. We Mm. don't actually have to get up to some sort of starting line or kind of achieve something to begin, to be able to begin. Mm. Um, And I thought that was, I thought that was a great point. I think, you know, I I don't know how other people responded to that, but I think that's something we often struggle with. It's like, 
I can't start until, mm. you know, I've got a, so that whole, you know, you get a house cleaner, but you know, then you clean the house so the cleaner can clean the house. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I see it as no, if you get a cleaner, you start with where I am. <laughs> right now my you house know? looks terrifying. Yeah. So I would have to clean it for yeah, a cleaner. But I've, I've yeah. never kind of quite understood that part. You know, like we get a yeah. cleaner, but we clean so that the cleaner can clean. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't. At any rate, I'm not sure if that makes a really clear connection, but we'll go from there. Yeah, very nice. Very Mm. nice. I've always loved that imagery of the, the, like, this light, especially when um, you're talking about the lighthouse on the hill and how we're kind of drawn to that and called to follow that. And as someone who is afraid of the dark, (laughs) I love a good nightlight. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I really love that imagery. Yep. Alrighty. Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the big three questions submitted through Slido this week. So, Mark, what are the questions we've got? We've got three here. Uh, why do we end up focusing on us as followers rather than the light that we are following? If we start following Jesus where we are at, at what point should there be some change in our lives? In other words, when should we begin thinking about ourselves as followers? Mm-hmm. So it's all well and good to start where we are, but eventually we should start thinking about what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and then um, even a little bit of light makes a difference in the dark and a bright light in the darkness can almost be blinding. So how do we focus on the light of Jesus without blinding ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like if he's the light of the world, where, like how do we start kind of figuring that out so we can see where we're going, yeah. I guess, in terms of discipleship? For sure. Very good questions. Well, I'm sure, Mark, you could answer these all by yourself, but let's bring in the person who preached the sermon, Matt, welcome. <laughs> what? an intro. Actually, this person's completely redundant because we've already got Mark Rayner, but he's sitting in the room anyway, so we might as Let's well say something. Let's bring Otherwise, him in. it's heaps awkward. <laughs> no, you're a blessing to have, Matt. We can't wait for your insights. Uh, what, how does it feel being in the preacher's seat? Um, listen, it's it's fun. It's a time. I mean, I gone are the days where you could just prepare a sermon and then that be the end of the process. So now you've kind of got to keep thinking about it. Um, just before Jess was kind of asking me about the sermon and I'd completely forgotten what I <laughs> preached on and Mark actually had to give a little outline about what the sermon was. So I'm hoping that won't be the case here today, but we do have radar as our little safety net in case I just go completely off my yeah. book. <laughs> I'm enjoying raw, Jess. Yeah, she's raw. <laughs> she's real raw. There are tears that are about to burst forth. So we'll just keep this nice and relaxed, nice and chill. I just think it goes to show how engaging your sermon was that Mark could relay it almost like picture perfect. Like he knew exactly what it Well, what, I mean, it yes, it was either engaging or he was critiquing me yeah. so hard <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> that and it's you, just seared in his mind. <laughs> and you'll never know. <laughs> let's go with engaging. Let's go yeah, with yeah, engaging. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, let's jump into the big three. All right, Matt. Well, one of the things you know, that, I, that I thought was really helpful in your message was uh, the distinction between focusing on ourselves as followers mm-hmm. and focusing on the light of the world. So the idea that we can so often end up focusing on what we should do or shouldn't do or whatever it might be rather than just following the light. Um, so the first question is, why do we end up focusing on ourselves as followers? Like what's the, the, the rationale behind that? And why do we do that rather than the light that we're following? Mm. Yeah, like I think that there are heaps of reasons why we do this and and probably heaps of um, ways in which we're influenced by our world. Because I think that the idea of following the light, following Jesus when they're um, when that's not always 
um, clear around what that might look like or where that might be leading us. You know, I'm sure we've all had moments where it's like, okay, so I want to follow Jesus, but I'm yet to kind of figure out the, the, the finer details and, and the bigger picture of that. Um, and, you know, but our world kind of goes, no, no, like you want certainty, you want to know um, A, B and C and, and everything within that. And so I think, you know, just the idea of following Jesus is very countercultural because it, it takes the control out of our hands and places it in, in someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the big kind of cultural influences that I think we're facing a lot is this whole idea of everything that we do um, – and, and kind of the the indicators of success are around our own independence and our own ability to kind of control our destiny in a sense. And, and the more control you've got, the better you're going, the more successful you are. And then we've got Jesus and, and the whole idea of following the light. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's about what he's already done and, and kind of submitting to the light, submitting to Jesus and kind of what he calls us into. Um, And that means waiting at times. Um, You know, a few weeks back, I kind of shared about a time that God kind of called me into ministry and that he told me to wait and how that was really hard. And, you know, it would have been really easy for me to just kind of go, well, I've got qualifications and I can go get my own job. I don't need what God Mm. um, has in store for me. So that, that whole sense of submitting to and and following the light sometimes means waiting for the light to kind of illuminate what's ahead. Um, but it also means that um, sometimes what it what the light does illuminate is very different to what the world would kind of say is worthy and, and of value. Um, and so again, we're kind of, and I think I mentioned this on Sunday, like sometimes it means looking different um, and it means kind of going in a different direction that our, our society doesn't necessarily see the value of. And so that can feel very confronting. And so all these messages from our world is, you know, you need to be able to do this. You need to be able to do that. It's all about um, independence, autonomy, um, a sense of control and certainty that you can kind of control for yourself and create for yourself. And then actually following Jesus is completely different to that, mm-hmm. particularly when the world doesn't really acknowledge the value of the light and the value of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You know, we live post-Christendom. Like faith is not an integral part of um, what our world values. And so I think I think one of the reasons why we really focus on, well, what can I bring to the table is because it's about what I can control and that's kind of what we know based on our experience um, in this world. What do you think the distinction is between you? Because I think one, it feels to me like one of the <clears throat> pieces that makes this difficult and what you're chatting about is how binary we make it. Mm. Like you're, And it's almost as if we conflate together um, following Jesus and being a Christian, yeah. But I think one of the one of the pieces that we're exploring a little bit as a community of faith, in particular, is that there's probably a a bigger patch of ambiguity. That yeah. You, that you follow Jesus before you might say that you're a believer. Yeah. In Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Which I think also then I think helps us then just follow after Jesus without feeling without assuming that I'm a believer and mm. therefore as a believer, there are all these things that, you know, I should pray more, give more, serve more, mm. like all those sorts yep. of things. And I suppose that that's true, but yep. I think part of what we're trying to get at is that longer period of following prior to. Yeah. 
in, in that sense. And I think that's, again, like I think our culture makes us very reactive to things. Um, you know, we've got the pressure of time and so we don't, you know, we're told that we don't have the time to kind of sit and and look at that bigger picture and kind of see the ambiguity and, and rest in the ambiguity and just kind of exist in the grey. Um, but rather <clears throat> we're just you've got to make an assessment based on what's in front of you mm. um, and, and respond accordingly. And, and I think that's another reason why we struggle to follow the light and, and rather, you know, we define following by what I can do because it's like, well, I don't have time to kind of consider the, the ambiguity mm. that faith sometimes presents to me. I, I've, I can only respond to what's in front of me. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that kind of ties into the control thing. I, like I, I think about it and I don't know if this is a helpful analogy, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, like Mark, you and I talk about, you know, when it comes to our work, there are tasks and there are projects. <laughs> and if you have a project on your to-do list, it, it, it tends to be too big and it just kind of sits on your to-do list. Mm. Um, and you need to kind of break that down into tasks, things that you can kind of be chipping away at to to contribute to the overall success of the project. Well, following Jesus is a project, but sometimes we treat it like a task. And so because we don't have any, everything kind of sorted beforehand, we can't react to it. Mm. And again, we think of it very binary. So it's like, well, I either believe or I don't. Well, I don't have everything laid out before me. I can't react in a way that brings the decision to believe. So I'm just going to, it's going to stay on my to-do list. Mm. Um, but you know, that's that whole imagery of following starts wherever you are and the tasks that kind of, for lack of a better word, that kind of contribute to the overall picture of following Jesus are just those little steps of, um, you know, looking for the light, considering the light, considering who Jesus is, what he teaches, how he um, has kind of changed the way in which we engage with God and engage with faith and then bit by bit kind of allowing that to shift the way that we respond um, so that we can be a little bit more proactive in following Jesus as a pro as opposed to reactive. Mm. Um, and I think also, you know, we, again, and this was part of the, this was part of the message. It was a big part of the message. We choose not to like look to the light um, and follow the light because we think we need to be ready. And again, that's because we're reactive. It's because we want control. It's because, um, you know, our society is very individualistic. So it's all about us. It's all about what I can do and what I bring a value and worth. Um, and so we just kind of, um, transfer that onto faith and mm -hmm. kind of say, well, again, I can't earn anything. Well, I can't gain anything without earning it first. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just ultimately lie to ourselves and keep ourselves in the dark by believing that, well, I'm not ready. And I just hear that statement said mm -hmm. time and time and time again. Um, and the by, reality by, is- By people who don't know Jesus or haven't begun to follow Jesus or like, who do you hear that phrase? I hear from? it from people who- um, who are on a journey of faith, who are, who are exploring Jesus and who I would even say have made a decision to, to believe in Jesus, mm. but they still feel this sense of, but I'm not ready. Mm. You know, you hear it in, um, with like baptism a lot, um, yeah. you know, oh, well, that's, you need to be perfect in order to make that declaration of faith to kind right. of say that I believe to that yeah. degree. It's like, yeah. well, actually, <laughs> like if you look at the 
at the scriptures, if you look mm. at the gospels, people like in that moment where they were like, mm. yep, this is what I'm committing my life to. That's when they got baptized. Mm. Yeah. But again, it's that whole mentality of, no, I need to be ready before I'm able to kind of take that next step of faith. Mm. It's like, no, you just need to take the next step of faith and you will find that you will become ready. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, that's that, yeah. that's my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier, isn't it, as well, to look at other followers around you and kind of mimic or copy how they're following Jesus. Or, you know, we hear it all the time when people, you know, but what's the rule? What's the line? Yeah. What, what do I need to do? Because that's so clear cut and that's what we like. Yeah. But actually sitting down and thinking about this, you know, this man who lived 2,000 years ago, how did mm. he live? How can I follow him? He's a lot harder to do. Yeah. It takes a lot of that. I think that's absolutely right. Like that comparison game is really unhelpful, but I think it's ripe within churches. Mm. Like I remember when I first came to to church, you know, I was 19. I was kind of, I'd been following Jesus for a couple of years, but never had a church communion. I came into this space and everyone just looked like they had it together. Um, and it, again, it's because we present this, yes, I am, I am the right kind of Christian. Mm. Um, I'm kind of speaking universally. It's not a universal truth. But, um, and I think we actually need to get more comfortable um, with kind of saying, actually, yeah, like this is a journey and it's not about being ready. It's about being willing. Um, and I'm seeking to follow. I'm seeking to kind of discern what the light is mm. shining on in my life so that I can best know Jesus. And sometimes I stumble and sometimes I get it wrong. And sometimes I completely rebel. And we, you know, we talk about vulnerability a lot. Um, and we talk about in from the perspective of it's something that we want and it's something that we value. And it's something that for a lot of Christians would be really helpful if we saw it a bit more in our community and yet we don't do it. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's that mentality of, well, I need to be ready. I need to be the right kind of person. And so I'm just going to project that until that happens because heaven forbid anyone realize that I fall short on the reg. Mm. Like, and that comparison game, I think, again, kind of plays into that mentality of, well, I can't start following Jesus yet because look at how good everyone else is. Like yeah. they're followers of Jesus. I'm just this scumbag over here who's totally got sin in his life mm. and couldn't couldn't possibly talk about it, couldn't possibly come to Jesus and and repent of it. Like that was that was the first like five years of my faith mm. journey was just like I am scum, I suck, I do not have everything sorted. And so like, I, like I wouldn't pray because I thought I wasn't worthy enough to pray. I, I didn't think that I could come and speak to the creator of the universe mm. if I'd sin in my life. And so I always had sin in my life. Yeah. So I never prayed. <laughs> it was this horrible perpetuating yeah. cycle. Yeah. But we've all been there. Like, yeah, yeah definitely. And we need to break that mentality because, um, yeah, like following is about taking that first step where you're at and we just need to be a little bit more open about, well, mm -hmm. this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. This is where this is the position that I'm in and this is where I'm taking that first step from. And when we when we actually have that vulnerability, when we have that openness and that realness with community, that's when community is best able to thrive, I think. I think mm -hmm. it's also when community is best able to rally and keep each other accountable and support and we're able to have fellowship because we're actually talking about the realness of faith. We're talking about the realness of following Jesus. And we're talking about the fact that sometimes, yes, the light is bright and the light is obvious, but getting there is hard. Mm. Um, and yeah, sometimes we do kind of veer off into the darkness and we need, 
to be honest about that and and not compare ourselves to, you know, to an unrealistic That's right. kind of that, level. That perfect Christian doesn't exist. No. <laughs> We've just made no. them up. <laughs> well, he does, and his name was Christ. Um, <laughs> and we will never be that kind of perfect on this side of heaven. So mm-hmm. we just need to own that. Very good. <laughs> All righty, let's jump into question number two. Um, so, Matt, we've established there's this kind of spectrum or this journey of faith and we may, um, you know, start to follow Jesus but don't actually get to the point of believing or, you know, don't start to see change in our life or something like that. But the congregation wants to wants to know if we start following Jesus where we're at, mm. what point should there be actual changes in our lives? Or in other words, when should we begin thinking about ourselves as followers? Yeah. It, um, this question reminded me of... Uh, maybe about 10 or so years ago, there was this huge video on YouTube that kind of went viral because everyone was like, yes, that's what it is to be a Christian. It was like, I'm, I'm a follower, not a fan. Did you guys uh, ever? Yeah. Yep. Classic. It was classic. Yeah. It was a classic for the youth groups. It was a classic <laughs> I, for scripture. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, showing your age radar. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so YouTube's on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's my first problem. <laughs> so anyway, it was this whole, you know, it's the whole premise of this guy kind of confessing and, and kind of talking about his experience where he was a fan of Jesus. He kind of looked at Jesus and was like, hey, like I see this guy as being, bringing value and I I like what he talks about, but I'm kind of standing on the sideline. I'm not really participating in the Mm. game. I think I read the book. Oh, there you go. Of course you did. Of course. Uh, And the book's always better than the movie, so whatever. Um, (laughs) That was the implied judgment. (laughs) (laughs) But this whole idea that the fan kind of watches from from the sideline and that to be a follower is to get involved and to um, start playing the game mm-hmm. um, and and participating with what Jesus is doing. And I, I really love that imagery, but I actually think the journey of faith kind of goes one step further. I think we can start as a fan. We can kind of, and, and I think that's how a lot of people will start. They kind of notice Jesus and they're like, okay, there's something different about this guy. Um Maybe they can see Jesus in other Christians and they're like, okay, you're different because of the faith that you have in this person. I'm just kind of, I'm interested to learn more. I'm interested, you know, from my safe space to just kind of consider this and mull over this and maybe um, look into it a little bit more. And then you start following. And I think that's at the point where you start kind of testing the waters a little bit. You know, you start to reflect Jesus even before a decision of faith. Um, you start to participate in what he's doing, sometimes unconsciously. Like mm. I think that there are plenty of non-Christians that I know in my life who follow Jesus because they reflect Jesus in such incredible ways. Um, and then I think it gets to a point of faith um, because you can follow without faith, mm. um, but you you do get to a point where faith then becomes a critical kind of crisis point. And I think... I think the the moment, to kind of overly simplify it, um, of where you kind of go, okay, I actually, I'm going to call myself a follower of Jesus. I'm going to actually um, declare that he is Lord. I'm actually going to acknowledge who he is and live accordingly, is um, when you realize that what you believe needs to be reflected in how you live. Mm. Um, it is that, and I think that's the thing. And I think that's the beautiful nature of, of being able to follow before you believe is because you get to start to explore faith. You get to start living it out, um, without kind of having all the answers, without knowing everything, without fully understanding it, Jesus invites us into that. Um, but there will come a point where, 
you kind of have a bit of a crisis of faith and you kind of look around your life and you go, okay, like I actually, I actually believe this now. Mm. Um, and I believe that this is now going to start changing my life and, and needs to change my life in the way that I live. Um, and I think what's beautiful about faith and about believing in Jesus is that's still not the point where everything needs to make sense. That's mm. still not the point where you need to be the right type of Christian or the right kind of perfect. Um, there's like the journey continues. And again, you know, to go back to this whole binary perception of faith, you know, you're either a believer or you're not. Mm. Um, but, you know, we talk about this heaps at GBC, like faith is a journey. And, you know, if there are 20 points along the journey, 20 milestones and a declaration of faith is 10. Like you've still got plenty of steps to go after that point where you continue to be transformed. You start to, you know, be, be used by God, participating in his mission um, with the intention of wanting to see disciples made with the intention of wanting to share the light that you now declare that you believe. I'm reminded a little bit of the distinction though, between a bounded and an open set. I remember reading this, it was in a discipleship book and I found it really helpful because- Is that a sport reference or? No. Oh, okay. I think it's actually mathematical. Oh, okay. And yeah. another but reason it, why I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Originally, but or that's the language that's used, but it's also used in social sciences. So the whole idea is how do people kind of, um, if, it's an, if it's a bounded set, socially speaking, then people cross a line and then they're in. Mm. And once you're in, you're in, and that's all there is to it. Um, and You're um, one of us. It, well, yeah, to some degree. <laughs> and I think that often communities of faith are bounded. Mm. And so people make that decision of faith, mm. and then you're in. And that's basically all we kind of talk about then. You're in, are you in, or are you out? Yep. Do you believe or don't you believe? Are mm. you a Christian or not a Christian? Do you have faith or not? And yet they talk about a, an open set as being the focus is not on the boundary, but actually on the center. And if Jesus yeah. is at the center, then our life of discipleship is not so much about crossing boundaries mm. about I wasn't holy, now I am. Mm. I didn't know enough, now I do. I didn't mm. pray, but now I do. To just how close are you to Jesus? Yeah. And and that then allows us to talk about our our life of faith mm. as 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 an open set. Yeah. Because you can be you can believe in Jesus and yet not be particularly close him, mm. right? Mm. Like, you know, either in attitude or lifestyle or mm. whatever the case might be. And so one of the, I think, and that's a really helpful way then to talk about following Jesus, even for people who have a long time ago, perhaps placed their faith in Jesus. Yeah. You know, kind of going, yeah, I said the prayer, I got baptized. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, and we, we see this in all of our relationships, right? There are certain friendships that we have you know, that you kind of come and go a little bit, like you're, you know, there are times when you're really close and times when you're a little bit distant. And I think that can happen in our relationship with Jesus as well. Yeah. And to talk about it as an open set in that sense of like, are, are you closer to the middle than you were? Like, are you yeah. nearer the light? Mm. And you think about the fire, you know, like a, a campfire kind of thing. That's, that's a good example of the open set, mm. right? So there's some people who are right up close to it because they want to toasty you know, warm, yeah, they cooking the be marshmallows, really warm, cooking the marshmallows, eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. There are people kind of on the outer of that mm. who you know still warm enough, but they are a little bit shrouded in the dark. And then there are people who are kind of even beyond that because mm. they're having a deep and meaningful with somebody, mm, you know, like uh, you know whatever the case might kumbaya. be. Kumbaya, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I think if we think about, and all of them are around the fire, mm. like. All 
all of them part of the party or yeah. part of the group, but the question is one of closeness. Mm. Um, you know, the analogy falls down a bit because, you know, I suppose what we'd be saying is if you're right up close toasting your marshmallows, you're better than the people who are, you know, yeah. like, so I think you'd want to be careful about that. But I think some of the language of, you know, open sets can be helpful mm. for that journey metaphor to be used beyond the point of faith. And I think also, what was it? Bound, mm. Bounded. Bounded yeah. sets. Like, I think when you think about uh, considering faith and, and following Jesus as a bounded set, again, that's where I think we could kind of, we could kind of connect those unhelpful mentalities of I need to be ready, I need to be perfect, I need to have control, I need to have the full understanding. Yeah, and the boundaries, though, become the, fo- the point of focus. Exactly. Right. When do I cross the line? When do I cross the line? And, and again, so- it's about what I can do to <laughs> do yep. that, yep. whereas um, the open set is just I'm just getting closer. Like mm-hmm. I'm just taking steps closer, yep. but the focus is on... Yeah, the center point. Yeah, focus um, remains on Jesus yeah. rather than on the boundaries. And again, some of those boundaries I think that we have constructed are useful ones, mm. right? Like if you place your faith in Jesus and you're part of the community of faith, and there is certain behavior that we would expect. Yeah, yeah, and, and some of that's reasonable and, mm. and all of those sorts of things. But I think you know your experience earlier I think is quite common for Christians. Mm. Of we kind of fill in the boundary, mm. right? We kind of go, okay, there's obviously a, this is obviously a bounded set, yeah, right? Even if we don't you know, think about it in those terms, there's obviously going to be a boundary here mm. to be in, and then we fill in what that means. Yeah. And we can end up making the boundaries much, much bigger than anyone in the community of faith intends. Yeah. yeah Sometimes yeah. the community of faith makes it worse, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's always that too. Yeah. So. And I think the thing that I love about that open set um, idea is the inclusivity of it. Um, it's that, again, um, and this is where you get the vulnerability. This is where we're able to kind of strip away that comparison mentality because it's like, hey, we're all, we're all heading towards the light. We're all heading towards the campfire. Um, we're all trying to get there. Um, let's do it together. Let's learn together. Let's support one another. Let's keep each other accountable. Um, I think it also provides like variation and diversity because you could have someone who is quite intensely following Jesus, very close to the light, Mm. still hasn't come to the point of faith. Yeah. You know, but is experimenting with, I'm going to live how Jesus wants me to live Mm. and I'm really going to kind of put this to the test. Don't believe yet, Mm. but I'm... You know, I'm, yeah. I'm right up close. Yeah. I'm, I'm as close. So I think there's some value in that. And you can have people who've been Christians for a long time who mm. are miles away from the light. Yeah, yeah. You know. And just imagine the discipleship discussions that you have in that. Like if we're sharing those experiences, if we're sharing those journeys, rather than just presenting well, it becomes very different. Yes, yeah. It becomes very different. Like you know, how, instead of saying, how's your relationship with Jesus, mm. which people answer with, well, I haven't read my Bible this week. That's not, not what I asked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if we began to say, you know, like on a scale of one to 10, yeah. you know, one being very far away, 10 being super tight, mm. are you closer this, like, where are you? Mm. Well, I'm a seven. Okay. Well, are you closer than you were a month ago yeah. or are you farther away? Those become the critical discipleship yeah, cool. questions, you know, which which then leads into the conversations mm. about, all right, you feel farther away. How can how can I help? Mm. You know, what can we do to you know take a step closer to the closer to Jesus rather yeah. than farther away? 
Yeah, that's good. I feel like my answer kind of led Mark to that place. I just feel like everyone needs to know. Oh, yeah. He's not carrying me through this big three podcast. I definitely contributed. I just, I needed that to be said. I need it to be acknowledged. (laughs) It's true. I'm just sitting here almost falling asleep, just enjoying the conversation between the two of you. So I appreciate the, the discussion that's being had. All right, let's get stuck into question three. So you, you really played on the the metaphor, which is obviously out of the text itself, and significant one in John about the light. Uh, and mm. you made I like a really kind of helpful point about that. If it's really dark, even a little bit of light goes a long way. Mm. You know, it's 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 the night light. Like a night light in and of itself is usually a really weak light, but in the middle of the night, mm. it's more than enough to get you to the bathroom and you know, <laughs> you know, or to the kids' bedroom or wherever yeah. you need to be. Uh, and and at the same time then you talked about you kinda of, it was almost a throwaway at the end about how a bright light can be kind of blinding and mm. disorienting. It mm. takes us a while to kind of see. And I thought that was really interesting, you know, given our conversation about moving nearer or farther from Jesus, yeah. you know, from yeah. the light. Um, but but the, but the question is, so if that's the case, how do we focus on the light of Jesus without blinding ourselves? And I guess this is, it feels to me a, bit, a little bit like, how do we make sure that we're close enough to the light, you know, and allowing yeah. it to, to, um, to illuminate our lives yeah. as we're following? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think like what I was trying to get at um, as I kind of just relived my experience of flicking on a light and kind of having a moment up on the platform on Sunday (laughs) of being blinded is that whole idea that it takes time to adjust Mm -hmm. and it's okay to need time to adjust. Mm. And I think, again, that's that whole, um, that ties into that whole mentality of, no, I need to get here. And it's like, no, actually the following is actually about adjusting to the light. Um, and that each step you take towards Jesus, towards the light, it gets a little bit brighter. And then you need to give your time, yourself time to adjust to that light, to learn in that space, to be um, crafted and refined and transformed by Jesus from that distance to the light before you can then take the next step. I think sometimes, you know, and it, you know, this is biblical, it's, the, it's known as, you know, the good race, like not the sprint, mm-hmm. like it, it takes time and we need to we need to understand that we shouldn't always expect it at once. Um, we're not going to have, well, don't say not because obviously there are people who have um, and we see people in scripture who do have the I'm in the dark and then boom, Jesus like just turned on the light. And, you know, I think of Saul mm-hmm. named Paul, like he literally was blinded by the light. He was yeah. blind for three days and then the little scabbies fell out and he <laughs> could see again. A beautiful imagery, <laughs> particularly if you're listening to this in the morning while you eat your cornflakes. Because um, it looked just like that. Because it looked just like that. <laughs> so, like, obviously there are people who have that that just profound revelation in, in, in that moment. But, you know, the stories that I hear people share and, and the journeys that I see people living out is more that progressive you know, progressive kind of, I'm just slowly opening my eyes and I'm letting them adjust. And then I open them a little bit more and then I let them adjust. And if, if the light is revelation, Mm -hmm. if the light is the word, then it's about just taking those, those bite size chunks of, of knowing God and who he is and what his character is and what he's doing in the world and giving yourself time to kind of chew on it before taking the next bite, taking the next step. Does it work the other way then? 
So is it possible that we basically get content with having just a little bit of light because it allows us to just get around in the darkness? Yeah, absolutely. And do we then need to not just kind of be kind to ourselves mm. in the sense of kind of going, yeah, it takes a while to adjust as you yep. get closer to Jesus or however you want to mm. work the metaphor, but can it, like what would be the signs that someone had become complacent yeah. well, and was just kind of comfortable with the dusk? Yeah, yeah. Nice you know. Himalayan salt lamp. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice pink hue to the room. <laughs> Feels so warm and toasty. Well, ultimately, like that's the Pharisees, isn't it? Like he's he's a, a group of people um, who, for actually really, um, really good reasons, became sticklers for the law. Right? Like I did. Um, church history and gosh, I'm saying this in front of the church history lecturer. So this is, this so is a kind. risky move. <laughs> this is a risky move. But I remember reading about how kind of the, the Pharisees were kind of birthed and it was this whole, um, it was them trying to ensure that, that, the Jewish faith was not being diluted. I think it was Hellenism. Mm. Am was I right? Yeah. Am I right? Do I get the <laughs> nut? Where like just different- wait till the end to oh, see gosh. how we go. I'm so concerned. <laughs> I'm so tense right now. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but it was this whole idea of like different, um, different nations and different societies were just kind of bringing their own um, spiritualities and their own expressions of spirituality and their own practices. And it was kind of diluting faith. And so the Pharisees were like, no, this is the law of Moses. This is what it is to follow the one true God. And we're not going to allow it to be diluted. Am I right? Well, peas make degrees. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. We'll take it. That's all I need. We'll so like broadly speaking, <laughs> <laughs> listen, it was, <laughs> it's the views a- of the pastor are not actually the views of the pastor. <laughs> But so like, you know, they wanted to be close to the light, right? But they did get comfortable. They did kind of then just, you know, they, they got into the routine of, of, of rituals and of, of, of systems and structures that kind of meant that they were blind to, you know, Jesus. And, and we see that because the whole way through their ministry, they're never able to really understand and grasp the truth that he is who he says he is. It's almost as if it's a different light source for them though. Like I think for them, there was the law, like the law yeah. was the light and mm. that's why they studied it so much because mm. that's where there's the light mm. of life. Mm. And then Jesus comes along saying, well, yeah, but, <laughs> but it's actually me. You <laughs> Welcome guys. to the led, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, yeah, but I think, yeah. That, yeah. And I think we, we, you know, we can get comfortable. We can kind of go, Oh, this is enough for me to see. Mm. Um, this is enough for me to say, that I'm in the light. This mm. is enough for me to um, to say that I'm following the light. Um, but I think the reality is is if that is that being in the light. If 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 the light is the word and the word is revelation, which it is. It's not an if. It it, it is. <laughs> wow, you it's gave biblical. me the eyebrows there. Yeah, like, I did give you the eyebrows. Me wrong, yeah. eyebrows. Come at me, radar. <laughs> That's what those um, were. <laughs> this theology, I know. I'm suspicious. Um, <laughs> then. Um, then the reality is, is that living in the light and continuing to step close to the light means new things being revealed. If you, so like to go back to your original question, how can we know? If you look around and you're like, I've not learned anything new about God, or if you think that you know everything there is to know about following God, mm-hmm. then I'm telling you right now, you've stopped walking towards the light. Like mm-hmm. it, there, there should always be newness in what you experience of God and how that transforms your life. 
And if you look around and go, no, I don't see a lot of new Mm. in my journey of faith, then it probably means that you've stopped walking towards the light. Um, It doesn't mean that you're in the darkness. It just means that you've gotten to a point, whether intentionally or not, where, um, where, yeah, the Himalayan sea salt lamb (laughs) is just the vibe that you want. But the reality is, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Not for me. Um, But, but yeah, so I think, you know, and, and, we have seasons of that. Mm. Like, I think we yeah. can all fall into that. I, I know myself, like, and, you know, I was going to talk about this in the in the message, but didn't have time. Um, but, you know, I, I know, like, even in my job, you know, I work for a church. And so faith can be a part of just what I do. But where is it actually, um, where am I actually having d- intentional devotional time and intentional time meeting with God so that I personally am transformed? I, that's something mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of become aware of this year and I'm like, actually, I need to be seeking out the new because I've just kind of allowed my job to be my faith and that's not mm. that's not enough. That's yeah. not following Jesus. So, you know, it's asking those questions of yourself and, and kind of taking an honest look at yourself. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, we're just really good at lying to ourselves and going, no, 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 it's all good. But if we actually had a real mm. look. Or, or our eyes get accustomed to the darkness that yeah. we're in, the, the murkiness that we're in. Mm. So I have to say that I think it was I think it was during the sermon, I actually thought of the um that Mythbusters episode where they tested eye patches, pirate eye patches. Because the whole theory was that they'd wear an eye patch so that their eye would always be they could flick it up if they went into a into a dark space and they wouldn't lose their, they wouldn't lose, or, or they came out in the light, to the yeah, light. they would yeah, adjust yeah. really quickly and they tested it all. And did it work? Like, yeah, it did. Oh. It did. So like there was actually a functionality to the, so I was thinking about like the pirate eye patch. So is that why they were like, to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember which way it went. Wow. Mythbusters, was, what a time. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, if, it, if you come in from the really bright outside, you can go into something dark, mm-hmm. you just can't. Yeah. See, well, that they could just flip the patch up and it's like, yep, I can see now. Amazing. So, what just, a time. Mythbusters, yeah. that took me back to Year Nine Science, just said. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the trip. <laughs> yeah, it had, it had nothing to do with the sermon, but I, just, I did. I did. So, we're all wearing this, eye patches. This fleeting moment of like, Arr, I'm following Jesus, you know. <laughs> Got my eye patch of faith. <laughs> the eye patch isn't a good thing. It's not what we want. No, right? I know. It's just, yeah. uh, I don't think I dwell very long on it, but, you know. Okay, very good. Well, to bring it back to the question, if I Well may, done. Oh, well you. done. Just to rein this in, I think we always just need to be expecting something new. I think, um, you know, that's that's what it means to, you know, to actually just be slowly adjusting our eyes to Jesus. Mm. It means always expecting something new and stepping into that s- something new and not expecting to just have the flick of the switch mm. moment. Um, and I think just trusting also that God will reveal to each of us what we need when we need it for what we need. Um, he doesn't want to overwhelm us um, unless he does, like like Saul, for big reasons. Um, but, yeah. Like there's this, there's an opportunity to trust that what's, what we're seeing is what we need at that moment, but that there will always be more. Awesome. There you go. Great. Good ending point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, Raiders just going rogue over yeah. there with Mythbusters. I just felt like I needed to bring it back here. <laughs> and you did. Beautiful closing <laughs> Thank you. statement. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks for being on the, uh, the firing end of the... <laughs> 
of the podcast, Matt. You guys enjoy that way too much, I find, me I being in this love seat. It. I love it so much. The like glances over to Mark. Am I preaching the truth? Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Where's the heresy belt? And, and, and branching out into church history, like just kind yeah, of, that you was know. A wonderful well, yeah, I don't think I'll do that again no. after that response. <laughs> Making some stuff up and you know, dropping some terms you heard once. And, you yeah. know. I glanced a paragraph one time and now I'm preaching about it on a podcast. Hey, that's more than I've done for church history. So well done. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, oh, Matt. see you guys. All right, Mark, anything out of that that you want to clarify of what Matt said or anything that you felt was... <laughs> I take a whole other podcast. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think that, that discussion about the moving closer to the light and kind of the expectation of something new, I think was... I think that's a, a really good thing to reflect on. Like mm. there are seasons when, you know, it's it's a little bit dry or we don't kind of, we're not learning in leaps and bounds. But mm. if you get to a point where you think, oh, it's been months mm. <laughs> since I've had kind of any sort of fresh experience, then there's probably something to kind of think about in that. And just, you know, I think the, the conversation about moving closer to the light is a pretty valuable one for us. Yeah. Mm. And we can all get stuck in those moments of, of dryness or, and that's, I think where the vulnerability comes with your community, knowing that that's okay. We've all been at those points. And so how can we kind of help each other step by Mm. step? move closer? And and, and there may even be a time, you know, like you think about relationships in general, there's a time when relationships, I mean, you can't be intensely in relationship with people all the time. Mm. Like there, I think there's a natural rhythm as well to our relationship with Jesus you know, that you'd be, you know, closer and a little bit farther away. But the, the, the issue is really about when is it problematic? Yeah. Like when am I drifting and when am I just kind of, you know, in that kind of cycle or rhythm where, mm. you know, um, you're, you're adjusting to the new truth mm. or whatever the case might be. So I think those are, those are, I think those are interesting questions. What, what stood out for you? Yeah, I think there's a similar kind of thing um, around that. I think what you said just then about like drifting, I think that's really important that that with those moments where we can just drop the ball and and take our hands off the steering wheel and kind of steer off to one side. But also there are times where you just intentionally run away and you just don't want to bar it. (laughs) There's moments where you're like, I just need a break. I just need a hot second. Um, And so, yeah, seeing like why that's happening or where that's coming from and and kind of trying to step back Mm. in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think trend lines feel like an important, like a, a kind of important reflection. Like, mm. am I trending closer to Jesus or farther mm. from Jesus? You know, like there'll be moments in a day and days in a week and weeks in a month where you'll be either moving closer or moving farther away. But what's the trend? Yeah, like are you moving farther away or are you moving closer? And I think that those again they just give us a, it's a, a very different framework rather than did you read your Bible this week? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because even if I did, there's no guarantee that I got anything out of it or that God spoke to me. But yeah, I ticked the box. So boundary crossed. So I must be fine. So I think there's there's some real, I think there's some real grist for the mill in that conversation for us. Yeah, for sure. Great challenge. All righty. Well, beautiful. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Thanks, Jess. Always a pleasure. And, and, always and well, a joy. And well done staying awake. And, yeah, you know, thank you. Next week, I think I'll be looking even more <laughs> raw, as you put it. So uh, watch this space. All righty, guys. Well, if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure you're there at one of our services on Sunday and you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Thanks for joining us this week on the Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small and no question too big. 